Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The more I seek you. Your fragrance is intoxicating 
in our secret place cause your love is extravagant and spread wide in the arms of Christ is the love that covers sin No great love have I ever known that you consider me a friend, yeah. I'm spread wide in the arms of Christ. It's the love that covers sin, you know. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord God, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are good and great and awesome. We thank you, Lord, for the blood of the Lamb, Christ Jesus, by which we are set free. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your splendor. We thank you, Lord, that you are so absolutely wonderful. And as we come into your presence tonight, we ask you, Lord, to be with us, to strengthen us, to guide us, to gather in the brethren and give us peace and strength for the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, friends, as we begin to gather tonight, I thank you for joining us for this last Sunday of March edition of Church Without Walls. We're going to deal with a uh, rather controversial subject, which I did not realize was so controversial when I first took it up. I simply was being obedient to the Lord. We're going to be talking tonight on the subject of faithful and wise scribe. We're going to be talking about treasures new and old. We're going to be taking up the debate about Old Testament versus New Testament and so on and so forth. But for right now, listen, wherever you stand on the debate, there's one thing. If you are a believer in the Lord, the Christ, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, if you are his disciple, if you are his follower, then you know that he is worthy and the Lord God is worthy of worship. As this first song we're going to worship says, this one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, to dwell within your house 
every day of my life. Let's worship. Lyrics up in the chat room. Come on, let's worship. Welcome,
Yes. Yes, Lord. Glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, glory. Come on, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's go deeper. Oh, come on. It's all right to get up and jump. It's all right to get up and dance. Holy Spirit, take my hand out. Lead me out in the living waters. You're the wellspring. You're stirring. You're the life for your sons and daughters. Eyes are open. To the unseen, and my faith is arising within me. So bless the Lord now, sing it out loud. Come and give the Lord His glory. Yeah. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still into Your love, because Your love keeps going deeper.
yes, yes, yes. Yes, Lord. Redeem. 
in heaven saying now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come and the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony
just a crumb from your table, just a drop from your well. It's all I desire, enough to fulfill. But you welcome the hungry, the weary, and the least to a river of life, to a heavenly feast. Sing holy. Holy, holy. Oh, come on, saints. Let's really worship on this one. Come on, this is a song we'll be singing in heaven. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord.
Your show will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Five seconds. Come on, come on. The music is gone, but worship, 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 worship. Father, we come to you tonight, oh God, and we worship you. We glory in your name. Oh God, we 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 desire your presence, Father. We hunger and we thirst after you, Lord God. Oh God. 
God, oh God, like a deer in a dry and weary land, oh God, we cry out, oh God, that we need you, we want you, we desire you, oh God. Come, Lord God, tonight and speak to us. Come, Lord God, and touch every heart. Liberate captives, open prison doors. Oh God, set the mind that is captivated free, oh God. Oh God, settle controversies, oh God. Settle disputes. Oh God, reconcile families. Do what only you can do tonight, oh God. Reconcile our hearts to you. Let men and women be born again, born of the Spirit, born of the Word, born of the water. Oh, God, born of you, come, Lord God. Come, Lord God, and make us your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we do have some announcements, but we're going to bypass all of that. We'll deal with it later. We're going right to the word of the Lord because, ah, oh, after worship like that, the Lord has been exalted. But the Lord himself says that he exalts his word above his very own name. And so now that we've exalted the Lord, now we're going to come and we're going to give glory to his word by entering into his word, studying his word. Follow me, if you will, just for a moment to the gospel of Luke chapter 12. We're going to open there, but then we're going to be going back. And those of you who have been with us for a while know exactly where we're going. For one more time, we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 13. The foundational verse tonight is found in Luke chapter 12, verse 42. Um, after telling a parable about vigilance, self-discipline, and readiness. Jesus asked his disciples the following very pertinent, very urgent question. Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Who then is this faithful and wise steward or servant. Now, while I will leave the parable of Luke 12 for another time, tonight I want to close out Matthew chapter 13 with a glimpse into the heart and the arsenal of this faithful and wise servant as described by Christ himself as he ended his series of parables. In Matthew chapter 13. My message tonight, a faithful and wise scribe. A faithful and wise scribe. If you want to give it a subtitle, Treasures New and Old. We've prayed, our hearts are ready, we've worshipped. Let's go right to the word of the Lord. As I said, I, I want to close out Matthew chapter 13. We've been in this series looking at the parables of Jesus, and we've just been in Matthew 13 because there are so many of them there. And as I've said, I don't know how long we're going to stay in this series of parables. I don't know if we'll leave it and then come back to it. But for now, I, I want to finish up at least with Matthew 13. 
And in verse 51, we read the following. Jesus saith unto them. Jesus being, of course, our Lord. Them being his disciples. Have ye understood all these things? Have ye understood all these things? And they say unto him, Yea, Lord. Yea, Lord. Have you understood all these things? What things? Well, if you haven't been with us, let us give you a, a quick one down. We've gone to the parable of the sower and looked at both the heart and disposition of the sower and the character of those who would bear fruit in the kingdom. He's taken us to the parable of wheat and tares and discussed the perils and the promises of our current age, the dire consequences of sleepy pastors and elders, the detrimental impact of a, controvert, uh, of a congregation infiltrated by tares, and the impossibility of rooting out the tares in our own lifetime. He's talked about a mustard seed and he's talked about leaven offering revelation into the power of faith and faithfulness and the right attitude in the kingdom of God and how that you don't have to have much and you don't have to know much and you don't have to be an expert and you don't have to read Greek and Hebrew, but you with just a little faith and a determined faithfulness to follow our God, you can make a difference in the kingdom. He talked about treasure in a field and a pearl of great price, reminding us of the price of citizenship in the kingdom, the need of being people-focused and wholesale dedication that Christianity, true Christianity, demands. And then he talked about a net and the great catch that it brings in, reminding us of our commission and the reality that not all who are among us are his, thus requiring of us perpetual self-examination. Not that we go to the cross once, but that we take up our cross daily and follow him. Let me ask you, as Christ asked his listeners, have you, Personally, you, not the person next to you, not the person above or beneath you in the list there in the chat room, not your friend, not your husband, not your wife, not your cousin, not your niece, not your child, you. Have you understood all of these things? And their response was, yea, Lord. Would you say amen? Have you understood these foundational principles? Have you understood the necessity and the proclivities of the kingdom? Have you understand them as Jesus has un unpacked them in these parables? Have you understand your requirement? Have you understood that you are in the kingdom not because of yourself, but because you were chosen, because you were caught up in his net, but that you also have a responsibility to cast out your net and catch others? Have you understood all the wealth and depth that these parables have to offer. And if you like them would say, yea, Lord, Christ has a response. And while he doesn't call it a parable, it definitely fits the bill for a parable. 
And so we're going to focus here on Matthew 13, 52. Then said he, Jesus, unto them, his disciples. Therefore, now whenever you hear the word therefore, find out what it's there for. The therefore is connected to his question and their answer. Have you understood these revelations about the kingdom? They said yes. Therefore, so if you have understood the revelations of the kingdom, if you are in the kingdom, if you understand your requirements, if you understand the, 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 the heart that you are supposed to have and the disposition that you are supposed to have when it comes to sowing the precious seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you have understood also the character that is required of you in order to receive when you hear the word and bear fruit in the kingdom, if you have understood the perils of our time, the dire consequences of being a sleepy leader in the house of God, the detrimental impact of tares in the kingdom and yet the impossibility of rooting them out during our lifetime. If you have understood the necessity of holding on to faith and faithfulness, but that your faith doesn't need to be great, it just needs to be rightly focused. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, though you have faith the size of a, a grain of mustard seed, it can make a difference in the kingdom if you have understood that there is a treasure and the treasure of God comes with a field and our necessity of going out and not just acquiring the treasure but acquiring the field and the responsibility of attending to it and cultivating it and seeding it and plowing it and, and, and bringing in a harvest if you've understood how precious just one little pearl is if you've been willing to sell all and give up all and put no limitations on Christ. If you have understood that we are all caught up in his great net and that you too must cast out your net without making discriminations between one group and another group and the impossibility while in the net of separating the good fish from the bad, but recognizing that there are bad fish in the net that is the kingdom of God, and therefore having a necessity to make your calling and election sure, to examine yourself as we are so constantly exhorted, exhorted in the New Testament. If you've understood all these things, Therefore, every single, every, all, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. He bringeth forth out of his treasure, things old and new, or rather new and old. Another parable, an analogy, a simile, why? What pearls and what treasures are hid within this response? There is much here that if heeded would aid and balance and unify the body and end much of our modern useless bickering. Those of you who are regular attenders here know that one of the things that God has placed heavy on my heart 
and, and I'm sorry that I keep getting sucked into it. I want this year to avoid needless controversy. I find the body of Christ to be too divided over what, yes, they, they, these are important things. But in light of eternity, the reality is they're minor because we have no authority to settle them. I find us being divided and killing each other and damaging each other and trying ourselves to separate the good fish from the bad fish and the wheat from the tares, never heeding the warning of Christ. And I believe that if we understood this short yet so powerful verse of Scripture, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed into the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. If we understood it, we could end a lot of this and be unified and bring in the harvest our Lord deserves. So let's break this down. This wise scribe who is the good and faithful servant. Let's, let's break it down. First, let's clarify a few terms within this final parable of parables, if you will. First, we confront the term scribe. And often we see Jesus challenging the scribes of his day. Unless you let that term take a negative connotation. The word scribe is the Greek word grammateos, grammatias. Yes, it's where we get our word grammar, one who is exalted in grammar, we would say. Grammateus. It is according to the dictionaries and research of the time. A scribe would be a religious teacher. Please listen. If you're taking notes, write this down. I'm going to say this slowly because if this sinks in, it will hit you powerfully. A religious teacher so instructed that from his learning and ability to teach, advantage may redound to the kingdom of heaven. A religious teacher who has been so well instructed that from his learning and ability to teach. See, it's, it's not good enough to be always learning. It's not enough, though you should be always in the Word, to be always in the Word. It's not enough to break out your study tools and study the Greek and the Hebrew and the this unless you are also skilled at teaching. And God will give you that skill. God will give you that talent. God will give you that ability. You might be saying, well, you know, Pastor Pete, I'm not much of a teacher. And, you know, uh, I'm not a public speaker. And I'm not. Listen. Give your life and your tools to Christ. Let him decide how to use them. For you must have also ability. So, a scribe is a religious teacher so instructed that from his learning and his ability to teach, advantage 
redounds, resounds. It comes back over and over and over and over and over. It is dispersed widely and deeply to the kingdom of heaven. The second definition for a scribe is a man learned in the Mosaic law and the sacred writings, an interpreter or teacher. Scribed examined the more difficult and subtle questions of the law, added to the Mosaic law decisions of various kinds, thought to elucidate its meaning and scope, and did this to the detriment of religion. In other words, a true scribe doesn't care much about religion. He loves the word and he loves truth. And he expounds upon truth and he adds examples that pertain or are germane to the time and the people to whom he is speaking without changing the word, advancing therefore the power of God, but undermining the power of religion. Since the advice of men skilled in the law was needed in the examination of the causes and the solution of difficult questions, these men were enrolled in the Sanhedrin, meaning they were given position in the leadership of the Jewish people of the time and are mentioned in connection with the priests and the elders of the people. So Old Testament, they're part of the Sanhedrin. They were supposed to undermine religion, advance the word. But as we can see, as we read the Gospels, often no, because they were given a position of power and a position of authority, and because they were given honor in men's eyes, they often then promoted religion rather than the word. And you've got to be careful today because if you're going to be a faithful and wise scribe, you first have to be a scribe and you have to be so instructed and so learned that your learning and your ability give an advantage to the kingdom, not a disadvantage. And we are often disadvantaged today. Because we have Bible colleges and seminaries and we have people with more degrees than a thermometer on their wall who would rather be popular, who would rather sell books, who would rather live in big homes and have comfort and have money and be on the stage at the top conferences that bill people hundreds of dollars just to hear truth. But the scribe was never supposed to be that. The scribe was supposed to keep track of the truth and elucidate, clarify, testify to the truth. And so Jesus says, therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven. So obviously Jesus is taking the original definition of religious teacher so instructed that his learning and his ability to teach bring an advantage to the kingdom. He says these are instructed unto the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, who is discipled, taught, and instructed such that he actually follows the teachings of scripture and thus is 
unto the kingdom. Remember our emphasis and our admonitions about the kingdom of heaven as I've been going through this series. If you're joining us for the first time, remember that Jesus often told people the kingdom of heaven is near, but because Jesus was there, the kingdom of heaven is here now. And I've told you that the biggest advantage, the biggest ability, the biggest responsibility that we as disciples of Christ have Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That that great and holy one lives inside of you. And because of that, when we walk down the street, when we go into our home, when we go to our places of work, when we go to our places of study, when we go to the Quickie Mart or the Walmart or the Golden Corral, when we go to grab a bite to eat, when we sit down in a restaurant or walk into a pizza shop, when we drive through the drive through or walk into a mall, wherever we go, we have the potential to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Jesus is saying that this is such an one who is so instructed that he is onto the kingdom, that he is such an one who brings the glory of God to earth. He says that such a one is like a man, is like unto a man that is an householder. Oiko despotes, a master a leader, a ruler of the house. Brothers and sisters, hear me. This is serious business. Jesus is saying that if you are a scribe, if you fancy yourself someone, and listen, all of us to some degree, you may not have a great platform. You might be listening right now and you don't have a worldwide ministry. You don't even have a neighborhood ministry. You don't have a marquee with your name on it. That's not the issue. It's never the issue for God. And it's never the issue for Cole Kata Christ Ministries, a ministry that gets its name from a voice crying out in the wilderness. We are voices crying out for Christ. It is not that you are known, but you have a platform somewhere. You have somebody's ear. You have family who listen. You have friends who listen. You have somebody to whom you are going to be this scribe. There is someone who needs your study, who needs your knowledge, who needs your time spent in prayer over the word and the revelations that God has given you. There's someone who needs that. And Jesus says to such people who take up this mantle to study scripture, to go into the deeper things, to eat the meat of the word and not just the milk, that they are like an householder, a master, a leader, a ruler of the house. And what does this master of the house, this under-shepherd, this steward of the house, do while his master, the true master, is gone? Jesus says he brings forth out of his treasure Thesauros, 
the place in which good and precious things are collected and laid up, the coffer, the treasury, the storehouse, the repository. I love the fact that that word for treasure is the sauros, from which we get the word thesaurus, from which we say multiplicity and richness of words and meaning. For the implication is the great treasury from which this person then is taking is word or words. He knows the word of God. And he goes in to the treasure trove of scripture. And he pulls out things new and old. Things new. Kanos, recent, may, recently made, fresh, of a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of, and old. Paleos, old, ancient, and worn by use. Brothers and sisters, do you see what the Lord is saying? If you are going to be a faithful and wise steward, number one, you're going to get into the word. You're going to eat the word, devour the word. You're going to study the word. You're going to read not just one book. You're going to read from Genesis to Revelation. You're going to read the New Testament. You're going to read the Old Testament. You're going to study it. You're going to break out a concordance. You're going to get some online helps. You're going to read some of the commentaries. You're going to look at the history of the word. And then you're going to pull out of it, tying this back to the parable in Luke 12 that we didn't really open up, but it talks about a faithful and wise steward feeding the other servants. He's feeding the master servant. He's taking care of them. See, an, an, an evil, wicked, and ignorant servant abuses those of the house, tries to take too much authority on himself. And there are too many today in the kingdom of God who think that they are the end of all and that everyone's supposed to bow down and sort of worship them while we wait for the Christ. No, we worship the Christ and your job, pastor, your job, elder, your job, rabbi, is to be a servant to the other servants of God. To be one who washes their feet and refreshes them in the word. The word is not a hammer with which you crush the people of God and beat the people of God and destroy the people of God. The word of God is not. It's not a butcher's axe with which you cleave and cut away at the brethren until they feel unworthy to be here. The word is a sword that we use against the enemy, but on the people of God, it's more like a surgeon's scalpel that we use to gently and carefully remove cancers, remove false doctrine, but we do it in love, and we do it with caring, and we do it with hope, and we do it with joy, and we do it with faith, and we do it remembering that we deal with the people of God. 
Hear me, those of you who have any authority at all, those of you who might have a radio program or you have a a ministry or you have a church or you have a congregation or you have a synagogue, those people sitting under you are not yours. They are God's. The church is the bride of Christ. I can tell you as a married man, If my wife were taking classes with you and you thought to misrepresent me to her, you thought to try to put lies in her head, you thought to drive a wedge between the two of us, you thought to mishandle, mistreat, and abuse her, you and I are going to have serious trouble. And the Lord God knows how to steward over his bride. So don't you think, man of God, That you can mishandle the people of God and torment and abuse and mistreat and then think somehow that that gives you precedent and high standing in God's kingdom. As the young people like to say today, stay in your lane. Slow your roll. Know where you stand. It is a dreadful, and an, an, an ominous thing to stand between a holy God and the people he loves. And we've seen too much in these parables. Yes, listen, yes, there are those among us who are not part of us. Yes, there are good and bad fish in the net. Yes, there are wheat and tares in the field. And time and again, Jesus taught that it is not you and it is not me. It is not any human being that will separate the two. So stop trying to be Jesus. Yes, we are watchful. Yes, we keep the wolves at bay. Yes, we chase off wolves in sheep's clothing. Yes, we catch the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Yes, we do all of that. Yes. We unmask false teachers who would come and do damage to the people of God. But when dealing with the sheep, we remember always we are under shepherds. They're his sheep. We better treat well his flock because he's watching. And Jesus says here that this person who is faithful and wise, steward, brings forth out of the treasury of God. And I think it's interesting that Jesus calls it his treasury. It is awesome that the gifts and the talents and the wisdom and the revelation and the pearls of wisdom and knowledge that God gives us, he gives them to us and calls it ours. But it's scary also because if it's mine, I can do whatever I want with it. I can misuse it, I can abuse it, I can sell it to the highest bidder and make money for myself and make a name and make, or I can be a good steward remembering that while it's mine now, it's actually eventually all his. And I could ask, how would my master want me to handle these treasures? How would my master want me to handle these gifts. And we know from other parables of Jesus that he would want us to sow them and multiply them, invest them in others. And so I do that. 
But how does he do that? He says that he draws out new and old. New and old. Please, if you're, if you're given to underlining in your Bible, underline that seven times. If you're using an app and it's possible, somehow put 12 different colors on that. New and old. New and old. New and old. Because there are some out there who would say, well, you know, you're going to be a Christian, you're going to live for God, you know, you've got to follow the uh, entire, you know, law of Moses and you've still got to dress like they dressed back then and walk like they walk and talk and you should actually be speaking Hebrew and you should be going to service on Saturday and you should only be doing this and you should only be doing that. And have you not read that he who puts himself under the law then has made the sacrifice of Christ of no avail? You see, Jesus said he takes out of his storehouse new and old, both covenants, both testaments. He doesn't just stay in the Torah or the Tanuk. He doesn't just stay in the Old Testament, in the ancient writings. But those of you who insist well, we have a new covenant and we're under the new revelation and we're under a new dispensation of grace and therefore nothing of the law of Moses matters. You have no idea how close you come to blasphemy. See, the faithful and wise scribe knows. I start with the new. That's why Jesus said new and old. I start with the new. That's why I always tell new believers. You just got saved. What should I read? What should I study? Start with the Gospel of John. Read it once, twice, three, four, five, six, seven times. When you finish that, read the other Gospels. When you finish all of those, read John's letters, especially 1 John. When you've read that, then get into some of Paul's letters, maybe specifically Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians. Romans because it establishes much doctrine in First and Second Corinthians because it deals with correcting much false doctrine. From there, read the rest of the New Testament as you will. But then you've also got to go back to the beginning, go back to the Torah. Read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Read those books over and over. Know the foundation of our truth. For all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God by us. But what are those promises? You cannot know them without the Torah. And then you've got to get into the other sacred writings. You've got to read the historical writings and the poetic writings. You've got to read the Psalms. You've got to read the prophets. You've got to read Ezra, Nehemiah. But you see, you've got to start in the new. Why? Because the New Testament saint can see truths in the Old Testament that someone who's locked only in the Old Testament can't see. The proof of that. Look at how the greatest Jewish minds treated the Christ when he showed up on the scene. How many years, how many centuries, how many millennia were they waiting for the Christ? How long? 
were the sons and daughters of Abraham waiting for the glorious revelation of such an one who is the son of the living God, the Christ, the word of God made flesh. And when he showed up, they were angry at him at every turn. They rejected him at every turn. They called his teachings blasphemous. Why? Because having not understood the promises of the old, they could not receive and enter into the new. In the same way, saint, if you do not understand the glory of the new covenant that Jesus has given you, you'll stumble over the same mistakes. And I see it. Not in their words. Their words are so right. Their doctrine almost, almost perfect. When I get caught up in these arguments with these, with these probably precious brothers and sisters who are just misguided, who believe everything is Torah, who believe that we should still be speaking Hebrew and that we should still be dressing according to the cultural laws and that we shouldn't be cutting the, you know, the, 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 the hairs at the corners as men that we should be allowing our sideburns to just grow and grow and grow. And they don't understand. I always find it fascinating because they beat that drum so loudly, but they don't follow all the law. They don't sacrifice at the temple. They don't shed the blood of bulls and goats. Why? Well, we've entered into a new covenant. Hold on. If you've entered into a new covenant, then why do you still read the old covenant without the interpretation of the new? And they don't get it. And that's why, though their doctrine may be sound like it's complete and sound, while it may seem good and attractive, their hearts are wrong. They're angry at everybody. They're constantly accusing. They're standing high and mighty like the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees of Jesus' day as being above the people and better than everyone else and rejecting every possibility of anything Jesus could do in our day. They reject the Trinity. They reject the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They reject the possibility of Pentecost. They reject the gifts. They reject the Christ almost. And it's sad. My heart breaks for them. And so they try to fulfill the law in their own strength and build a holiness of their own making, following the law of Moses in their own strength and stumbling, not realizing that when you stumble, who then is your hope if you've rejected Christ? But on the other hand, then we have saints who they start in the new and they never leave the new. And they ridicule the old covenant not understanding that it was a shadow and foretaste, that it was a foreshadowing, that it was a, 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 a teacher of things to come, and that I cannot truly understand holiness without understanding the Old Covenant. Because the difference between the Old Covenant and the New is the Old Covenant is written on tablets, written on paper. It's put out there before me and I'm reaching toward it. The New Covenant, the same moral law, the exact same moral law. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other God besides me. The same moral law. Keep holy the Sabbath day. The same moral law. 
to not worship idols. The same moral law to not bear false witness. The same moral law to not covet, to not commit adultery, to not commit murder, to not bear false witness, etc., etc. The same moral law is now written upon my heart. The difference is it's not a standard out there I reach for. It's an internal standard that I lovingly struggle to keep, that I painfully recognize when I fail, and I mercifully am accepted. When I cry out, Jesus, help me. I'm sinking. Help me, Lord. I stumbled again. But I don't see the problem. I don't see the word as grievous. I don't see it as hard. I don't see it as ugly. I see it as beautiful and attainable and wonderful to me. So you see the practical application of all this, brothers and sisters. Examine your own doctrine, your Christian living, your preaching, your teaching. Are you a religious teacher so instructed that from your learning and from your ability to teach, advantages redound to the kingdom of heaven? Are you balanced between new and old covenants? Or do you neglect one or the other? Do you give preference to the new covenant without omitting the old? Yes, preference is given to the new, but we don't omit the old. You see, I I read through the Old Covenant. I read Genesis and I see Jesus over and 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 over. I see him in Genesis. I see him in Exodus. I see him throughout the Torah. I see him throughout the Tanakh. I see him throughout the Psalms. I see him through the prophets. I see him everywhere. But I don't omit the Old Testament. In fact, those of you who follow this ministry know, until I started this teaching, most of my preaching is out of the Old Covenant. Why? Because the Old Covenant is a great teacher of the new. Are you balanced between Old and New Covenants? Do you give preference to the new without omitting the old? Consider also tonight your church, the ministries you follow, the people you follow on social media, the devotionals you feed from, etc., etc. Are they balanced? Do they bring both covenants to the fore? Do they give the rightful position and honor to the new covenant? Do they also honor the old? Do they apply God's word with mercy and grace and love or with condemnation, judgment, and pride? If the first, praise God, if the latter, run. Today is about taking inventory, first of ourselves, then of the ministries you follow, including this one. Brother and sister, if I could be accused of so embracing the new covenant that I trash the old and throw it aside, please come, correct me, show me the error of my ways. If I would ever 
Embrace the old such as to negate the new. God forbid. Then this becomes an unworthy ministry. It's not just about not giving your money. Don't give your time. Don't give your effort. Don't give your prayers. Except praying for mercy. My heart's desire is that Kolkata Christ Ministries will always be balanced. So we preach holiness. But we also preach mercy. We preach redemption with responsibility. We preach an eternal hope and a daily walk. We preach the law of Moses and its fulfillment in Christ. Brothers, sisters, examine yourself and examine the ministries to which you give your allegiance. Is the right balance there? Is the word of God being presented in such a way to bring great advantage and glory to the entire kingdom of God? If the answer is yes, on both fronts, then praise God and give him glory. If the answer is no, let's make a correction tonight. I want to call anyone who's doing the self-examination right now and needs it to repentance, to reconciliation, to truth, balance, and freedom. To the joy and the peace that is yours as part of the new covenant. along with the responsibilities of it. If you've been unbalanced, if you've been un- if you've been following and pledging your allegiance to unbalanced teachers, repent now. Right now. Begin to speak to God, begin to ask forgiveness, begin to make amends. Let's pray. Father, among Jesus' dying words on the cross were, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Father, tonight we commit our spirits, our minds, our ministries, our lives, everything we are and everything we do, we commit them to you. We ask you, Father, to be with us and to be in us, to lead us and to teach us to guide us, and to keep us. Father, if we have failed, if we have been unbalanced, if we have been dishonest, if we have been high-minded and judgmental, Lord God, please have mercy and restore us to that proper place in you where we can be all things to all men in order to give glory to the only one that really matters. Father, thank you for this opportunity. And thank you for your great love. In Christ Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
if you have questions, if you need counsel or need prayer tonight, um, we do have a live call in line. We're going to open that up in a moment. That number is 646-721-9917. Just press option one. If you're there already and you've been listening, we have a couple of people listening. If you press option one, it will put you in the queue and let me know that you have questions. Um, I do have a couple of quick announcements. Number one, um, I spoke a ways back about a conference, a youth conference that I'm doing in Rockland County, New York um, on April the 12th and 13th. That's coming up in about two weeks. Again, that's April 12th and 13th. Um, if you are interested, if you visit my Facebook page, you will see that my picture is actually now the flyer for that event, or at least it should be. I'm hoping I got that right. Okay. Um, what I want you to do is this. If you are interested in attending, now listen, I know it's called the Youth Conference, but there's room there for adults um, who are not of the youngers. It's being held at 384 New Hempstead Road, 384 New Hempstead, H-E-M-P-S-T-E-A-D, Road, New City, New York, 10956. All right. The cost is a measly $10, and if you can't afford that but you can get here, let us know. We'll work that out. Okay. Um, there is information about registering. I'll get all that up on our Facebook page. I'll post this several times and make it an event um, so that people who want to be a part of this can. Okay. Um, in light of that, I will not be broadcasting. So Church Without Walls will be canceled for the next two weeks. Um, I need time next week to prepare for the conference and obviously the weekend of the conference. I am going to try. This is my hope and goal. Um, I want to broadcast as much of the conference as I can onto the air or at the very least when I'm speaking the Friday night session. Um, I'll probably be the opening speaker and possibly closing the whole thing out Saturday afternoon. Um, I will try to broadcast those. All right. Um, or at least record them so that we can get them up later, okay? But in light of that for the next two weeks. Now, next week, depending on availability, I may actually be on Omega Man Radio next Saturday for just one hour. So be looking for that. Um, if you're saying, where do I look for that? If you have Facebook, facebook.com slash KQC Ministries. That's our Facebook page for the ministry. If you go there, you can find us, you'll see us, and I'll keep all the information up there. Also, for those of you who've been touched by this ministry and would like to support what we do, the word makes clear that if we have sown spiritual fruit among you, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it is only right that we reap material gains from you. So there are three ways to give. I've placed them all up in the chat room. Simply this, you can go to our website, kqcministries.org, and click on the Donate Now tab. You can use our email address, kqcministries at gmail.com, if you have PayPal, Pop Money, Quick Pay, Christel, etc. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way. You can write us a letter 
and send your check or money order to KQC Ministries, care of Pastor Pete Torres, 97 Jefferson Street, Highland Mills, New York, 10930. We're going to worship for just a little while. Our live call in line is open. Again, if you have questions, comments, need prayer, need clarity, go ahead and give us a call. Select option one so we know you're waiting to speak to us. Otherwise, we're going to go to worship for a moment, and then we'll come back and close out, or we'll go to the, to the uh, call-in line. Let's worship a little longer. The song is called Throne Room Song.
Hallelujah. Well, brothers, saints, friends, there are no callers in the queue. So we're going to let this worship run out. I want to bless you. I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you for your support. And thank you for your prayers. Some of you may be aware. Um, I've actually been battling strep throat this week. I wasn't even sure if I'd be on tonight. Now, I've been asked before, Pastor Pete, when these things happen, why don't you post and tell all of us so we can pray? No, listen, please. You should constantly be praying for the men and women of God who you know on the front lines. If you know any missionaries, pastors, elders, leaders, evangelists, you should pray for them constantly. Assume your prayers are needed because they always are. But I don't post about things like that, not out, not out of any pride, but because I've come to a place most of the time where I've learned, like David, to encourage my own self in the Lord, to pray, to seek the face of God and trust Him. I also believe that there there is a time and place for posting prayer requests, and I do it rarely. But for the most part, I know your hearts. I know that there are many who keep us in prayer. And I thank you. God hears your prayers. The fact that I'm here tonight, the fact that my voice sounds perfectly normal, is a testimony to that. So saints of God, thank you. Father, I pray for these. I bless them in the name of Jesus. In accordance with your word, I declare them to be the head and not the tail. Above always and never beneath. They are world overcomers. They are precious in your sight. They are your sons. They are your children. They are your disciples. They are your bride. Watch over them. Lead them. Guide them. Strengthen them and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name. You're blessed. Now go be a blessing. Making this place I stand holy
Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. Saints of God, thank you for joining us tonight. You've been blessed. Now go be a blessing. We love you and Jesus loves you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll see you at the conference. Step out, church. Step out. We love you. Good night. And God bless. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.